Hey there, podcast listener. Welcome to The Upfront Investor, the show where each and every week I give you all the very latest information on what's happening in the Australian share market. For more information, products, services, and detailed show notes with a transcript for this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the News and Media tab in the navigation. Now let's get into it. Hi everybody and welcome to the Upfront Investor. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Um, right now we're getting a lot of questions from people about when the bubble will burst. Now, maybe this talk is coming as a result of people listening to news and media and, and um, I'm not sure about you, but news and media to me is something that um, I don't really take advice from that and I know uh, people have seen me live sometimes I hear me do a joke and it's probably not necessarily a joke but I often say you know who's who's met a rich journalist and ask them to put their hand up and everybody laughs now whilst it's a bit of a joke it's it's all tongue-in-cheek um, you know and it's not meant to be rude to journalists but news and media is not the place you get your financial information from and it's probably one of the biggest mistakes investors make is to get their information from these sources and I actually find a lot of investors are confused as to what is really going on because they've got this overload of, of information coming in and um, and I know my students are people are, are, you know, from our diploma and advanced diploma and people who, who I teach to trade. I've often said to them I'd rather just lock myself in the room, not a padded room, but uh, in a room just with a computer and some raw data or, you know, or a spreadsheet with a pencil and graph paper and, and so I can just chart and be that detached from the marketplace so I can make logical rather than emotional decisions but that's a whole nother story at the moment but right now the news and news and media are ramping things up because they, they want you to read their newspapers and watch their tv and listen to their radio stations and all that sort of stuff so they use sensationalist words and they harp on things that may or may not be that important um, to you as an investor so when will the bubble burst if, if in that fact we are actually in a bubble, which Australia is, is, is such a great market at the moment and, and it's nothing to be worried about. That's the first thing I'll actually say. But um, but let's have a discussion of, of really what a bubble is. Now, throughout history, investment bubbles have really come and gone. And, and when they go, they, generally people's money, uh, hopes and dreams along with their money go with them. Now, often matters are made worse by commentators talking about the bubbles in a way that creates the fear and that's what they're, I mean, they're not necessarily trying to create the fear, but they're, they're sensationalizing. We see it every day on the front page of a newspaper, the, the, the terminology that they use or the emotive terminology they use. But to me, they ought to be helping us understand what the bubble is before the bubble actually bursts. Uh, and knowing how bubbles work greatly helps your investment decisions. And so we'll look at how they work, and we're going to use the Australian market as a guide. Now, in simple terms, human greed creates bubbles. Simple as that. Human fear and greed runs the market. If you don't believe me, just go to the casino. Um, whichever casino casinos closest to you, just walk in and watch people because that, that greed or that hope of being in, making it big gets people to keep investing more or, or gambling more and uh, that losing or that fear of losing also makes them do stupid things as well or silly things as well. So... But what we're looking at is that fear and greed. So once a bubble starts, it generally continues to grow until it reaches a level where prices go beyond, beyond what people are willing to pay. Now finally, the prices, price rises are unsustainable and without any real warning, the bubble explodes and prices fall. Now you only have to look at 
general things in the marketplace. If it gets too expensive, we stop buying it. If housing gets too expensive, we stop buying it. If petrol gets too expensive, we stop buying it or we slow down on our buying because we all have a perception of what real value is and we all might have slightly different perceptions of it. Now, I don't know about you, but I've driven down streets or gone to places and, I, and somebody's looked, there's a house there for sale and I go, oh, how much is that worth? Um, and you see it in the window of a real estate agent or online or whatever it is and you go, wow, that house is not worth that. But that's my perception. Other people may think that's cheap. But when the masses think the market's expensive or the stocks within the market are expensive, then it's got to go the other way because people stop buying. And that's really how the bubbles peak um, when people think it's too expensive. And quite often it's you know, your perception of a stock, let's say, you know, ABC stock, and you think that's, you know, traditionally that's been around a dollar and all of a sudden it's trading at $5. You think, wow, that's expensive. So you stop, people stop buying it. It's the same thing. Um, basically bubbles are repeating cycles that run from boom to bust and back to boom again. Now the key is to work out where you are in the current bubble, um, as to know, because as to know this, it reveals when it's safer to invest and when the risks are too high and, and you might need to exit. Now to explain, let's look at one of the complete cycles of the All Ordinance Index from 1987 through to 2009. Now, phase one is following the 87 crash, which was the bust. Now, this crash was caused by over-leverage, which is what the GFC was about. It was over-leverage. And this is one of the real big, big hints that I'll give people um, in terms of leveraging. Is when you see record levels of borrowing for people in margin lending or borrowing to get into the markets, when you see those sort of record levels, that's the biggest, biggest warning bell you ever get that the peak is happening sometime soon. Now, it may be 12 months away, but it's happening and when you get repeated things in newspapers saying record levels of you know, leveraging, then you know the bubbles are going to burst soon. Uh, and I'll give you some more hints in a minute. But following the 87 crash into the bust into the early 90s, the market went into a recovery phase. And this is a point where few investors wanted shares and so remained largely in cash. And we saw that with the GFC for a few years, haven't we, after that? Now, phase two was in the 90s, around the mid-90s, where prices began to rise as Company earnings really showed improvement. Investors were lured, in, lured into the shares through high-profile floats like Qantas and Commonwealth Bank. We got started getting a lot more floats. Guess what's happening now? I think there's an article I put out only a week or two ago about floats and how um, they, they're more prevalent. And actually, I think it might have been... I did a podcast on it too, but I can't remember now um, from that point. Um, so that was phase two. So you're getting that the floats coming on and getting better earnings. and Because you go from bad news in phase one to no news and then you're getting started to get good news, which is this phase two. Phase three, the market took a breather from the 90s, from the late 90s into 2003. Though I know we had, which is called a mid-cycle rises and it has a temporary slowdown. And we had the fall into 2003, March 2003 from about February 2002. So we had about a 13-month fall on our market into that. Now, phase four was from 2003 to 2007, where we had the biggest, longest, strongest bull market I've ever experienced in my life. And probably, I think it's from looking back on the All Lords, it's probably the biggest we've ever, ever had. Now, shares rose strongly on renewed optimism, gaining momentum as it rolled along to eventually reach mass euphoria that fueled the bubble towards the eventual bust, and at which point the smart money exited. Now, I remember distinctly... 2006 and 2007. I mean, I was at expos um, presenting on the main stages, things like that. And I was saying to people, hey, the market's peaking out, the market's peaking out. Because I was seeing in the newspapers record levels of margin lending, record levels of borrowing, and everything was happening. 
These are all the big, big signposts to me. Now, you also started seeing, or you were seeing record levels of money going into managed funds prior to the peak. This is pretty common when you see that, when the market, when you're getting record levels of leveraging and record levels of money going into managed funds. That's a huge, big sign that the peak is actually happening, um, that you're actually getting to that peak. Now, and so, once you, that, so that fueled the bubble, and eventually that money... Um, runs out, so to speak, and there's no more money to put into the market, and then the market flips and turns that. So then in 2007 into 2008, the hot air started to leak from the bubble and the market corrects. Um, investors see the market is cheap and they buy in. So you get a bit of a blip, like a bit of a rise up, because people think, oh, it's been up there, but now it's only down here, so they'll get in. But that money really, really dries up quickly and it soon hits hard, and then company earnings come out and they're disappointing and announcements reveal how big the problem is, and recently it was the GFC. Um, it's different in other times, um, but right now, or in the more recent times, it was the GFC, how, how big it was. Then you get that distressed selling, which is the last phase, the exhaustion phase of that downward move, and that distressed that distress selling occurred into late 2008 into early 2009, where we had our eventual in March 2009, and many investors just give up and sell out, and this is when the smart money starting to look, look at buying in. Now, what, what I just said a minute ago is most of the money is going into managed funds before the peak or just before it. Most amount of margin lending is being taken up before the peak. Most amount of people selling up out of their managed funds happens at the bottom. And you see these huge spikes at the top of people getting into managed funds and huge spikes of people getting out at the bottom. So the amateurs do the opposite of what they should be doing. These things are easily seen, and this is the filtering that I do in the media. Most stuff in the media I don't look at because it's really just speculation and not really worth my time listening to but these little things are little tidbits i suppose are worth watching to help you figure out what phase you're on so where are we now well right now i think the we're in phase two and and this is like the we're getting some of that rep- improved earnings etc and we're starting to get a lot more floats as i mentioned before so i think we're sort of in that phase two-y sort of area and that'll unfold into 2015 we need to have a bit of a pullback into 2015 but right now um we're in a sort of a bit of a recovery phase in the moment now, given this, the current bubble has a hell of a long way to go, and, and don't be stressed about it. We're not going to have any sort of major crashes, I don't think, at this point in time. That's it. It's always in the back of your mind that something could happen, but always plan for the worst and hope for the best, and if you're using stop losses, then uh, you should be fine. So this week in our market, there's been a lot of cause for excitement as really, finally, we've seen a push higher. Um, and might I say, it's been it's now at the highest point it's traded in six years, which is really quite good. So more importantly, it's moving towards our target zone, which was... As you might remember, it's like 56 to 5,800 points. And, and you may recall how following the high of 5.4 or 5.3 points in October, the Australian market has really traded sideways and it really has only ever managed to break beyond this level in April this year when it had got to 55.33. So this has really been no small reason why Australians have really become frustrated with our share market. And in you know, because... If you look from the 1st of July last year, um, it really moved for about eight weeks and then it's done nothing since then. And so all the gain you're seeing on the super funds and everything at the moment is is really just from those two months and that's a pretty much about it. Since about October last year, nothing much really happened. Um, so I don't get hasn't been too exciting um now the, the people are getting frustrated or have been getting frustrated and in, in, in my opinion mistakenly looking at overseas markets because we've had a lot more people saying oh, i want to go to the u.s market etc etc um but again that's the exact opposite of what you should be doing because 
they've been much, much, much more bullish than what the Australian market has been. So they're much more likely to be in a bubble territory. And uh, But that's a whole new story again. Right now, the, the Australian market is quite safe. Now, we need to remember at this point in time, of your institutions are really shuffling the deck chairs, I spoke, and reweighting their portfolios to particular sectors. Now, when they do this, they often move funds from... Um, favourable sectors into sectors that are previously out of favour and in this case we're currently seeing interest in the energy industrials and materials sectors so look for opportunities in these sectors as there are many shares within them that are really looking good or starting to look good I had a really good look at the top 100 only uh, a few days ago late last week and I went wow there's a whole lot of good looking stocks there and ones that are starting to look good. So have a look in that. Um, at this time, you're also seeing uh, the US companies report their financial performance and, and for Australian companies to really give us an indication of how they're tracking along. So all of these things are, are right now having a positive impact on our market. And as such, I think the, the sun, as they say, will continue to shine on our market, at least in the short term. I think this quarter will do okay, possibly even to the end of the year, uh, and then we'll have a pullback into 2015. It's still a bit rubbery, um, those sorts of figures, um, and as it is always on the share market. But right now, I think the sun's shining, so you, you might as well be there and uh, and get the get the returns while they're happening. So, you've been listening to the uh, front investor on Dale Gillum, the chief analyst here at Wealth Within. Hope you've enjoyed that. I look forward to chatting with you next week on my podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's Upfront Investor Podcast. For more information, products and services, and detailed show notes with a transcript for this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the News and Media tab in the navigation.